You're listening to Cloud9, where Bahaiteachings.org interviews artists from around the globe to learn about what inspires, uplifts, and motivates them to make a positive contribution to the world. My name is Shadi Talui Wallace. We find ourselves in a polarized world, constantly bombarded with content that induces sadness, fear, anger, and negativity. So when given the choice to experience positive, joyful, and inspiring content, there's no doubt that we'd welcome it with open arms. Introducing Soul Pancake, a Los Angeles-based media company that was co-founded by actor Rain Wilson back in 2008. Today, Soul Pancake has amassed over 3 million YouTube followers. They've created over 45 digital series on their social platform and built a library of more than 6,000 videos, which have received over 700 million views. In 2016, Soul Pancake became a division of Participant Media, expanding their already extensive reach into branded entertainment and partnerships. The lead heart and brains behind much of their inspiring content and viral success has been their head of creative, Golrys Lucina Gundry. In this episode of Cloud9, we chat with Golrys about her time at Soul Pancake and how her role and the company has evolved over the past decade. We discuss the driving force behind Soul Pancake's mission for meaningful content and their secret to creating a viral video. Golrys also shares how diversity, service, inclusion, and consultation play a role in her day-to-day life as she strives to tell stories that promote truth, authenticity, and ultimately change the world. Golrys, thank you so much for joining us on Cloud9. Thank you for having me. Now, Golrys, I've been following the Soul Pancake journey since I think it's very early inception and have spoken to you and Rain and other friends who've had the opportunity to work there at great lengths about it. But when it came to preparing for this interview, I actually had a really hard time summarizing what it is that Soul Pancake does and the scope of work that it's responsible for creating. What I know is that Soul Pancake as a platform has gone through many iterations. So could you take a few moments to share what the initial motivation behind Soul Pancake was, what the platform looked like back then, and how it has evolved over the last decade? Sure. I think so. When Soul Pancake first began, uh, none of us knew what it would be today. I think at the time, Rain felt like the internet was a pretty crappy place and that there was a lot of stuff on there that was sort of mind-wasting, just lowest common denominator type stuff that didn't make you really feel uh, joyful, feel like you had a role to play in the world. Um, He always says, like, it's kittens on skateboards or, you know, uh, a lot of people being negative to each other anonymously behind screens. So we were trying to create a little oasis on the internet, a place where people could dig into life's big questions. And at the time, the whole blog uh, format was a really big deal. And we thought, okay, why don't we have a website that's part blog and part sort of Reddit forum. People could ask each other questions and weigh in on each other's questions and just be open and curious. Uh, and that's what we created. The first inception of Soul Pancake was actually just a website, soulpancake.com, and people joined as users and would post their life's big questions and then respond to one another and weigh in. And then we would also, as the content curators, post um, like art activities for people to do and other questions for people to engage with. So we just thought, like, this is what we are. We're a website. 
And then uh, we were offered this book publishing deal. And that was really cool. We were like, okay, what does our brand Soul Pancake look like as a book? And we wrote this book that uh, ended up becoming a New York Times bestseller. And it's this beautiful book full of art that we source from all over the world, filled with life's good questions and creative exercises and just uh, really interesting essays about these big topics. And that book ended up in the hands of Oprah Winfrey, and she was launching her uh, new network. And she invited Soul Pancake to create video content for her. So we said yes. And I think that's something to be said for like early startup phase. We were, um, we were not really limited. We didn't have limiting beliefs about what our brand was going to be. We didn't, we also didn't have like a path to revenue or, <laughs> you know, clear salaries or <laughs> defined like operating structures and all those other great things that come with having something more formalized. But we kept just saying yes, like yes to writing a book. We had no idea how we were going to write a book, but we faked it. And then we created a book that became a New York Times bestseller. And again, with Oprah, sure, you know, Rain came from a television uh, background and acting, but um, creating short, you know, digital content wasn't necessarily his skill set, nor mm. mine or our co-founder, Shabnam and Devon's. But we just said yes, and we knew we'd figure it out as we went along, which we did. Uh, and so today, yes, Soul Pancake is a media brand. We're a content studio. We're pouring out original content daily. Uh, we have, you know, an arm, a television department that um, is selling long form and linear shows. We also have a branded entertainment division that is working with our brand partners every day to create content and storytelling that merges a brand's purpose or endeavor with the way we tell stories, which is through this lens that's incredibly hopeful and joyful and really amplifies the sense that as human beings, we are all one and we're all interconnected. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That was the best summary that I could have ever asked for. Um, Has the mission stayed the same throughout to bring joyful content or has it kind of expanded as you've also evolved? I think the the reason Soul Pancake uh, is still around today, honestly, a decade in, um, when so many of our peers and other production companies have um, are no longer around, is because we stayed really close to our mission. It was, you know, this whole company was born out of this mission. And when people throw out the word like passion project, I think it can become a cliche. But for all of us, Rain, myself, Shabnam, and Devin included. It was our passion project. Like we were all moonlighting on Soul Pancake. We had our regular everyday jobs and then we had Soul Pancake. But our passion was to create content that elevated the conversation around this messiness of the human existence. And that has been a through line since day one. And ultimately, I don't feel like I'm doing my job right now as head of creative if I'm not really using that mission as my North Star for everything we make it sort of has to go through this process of seeing if it ladders into that framework of our mission. Because if it doesn't, then why does it belong on Soul Pancake? Then it should live on Funny or Die or BuzzFeed or somewhere else. Uh, So we're pretty specific about the type of content we're interested in creating and where we put our, we allocate our resources and our time. Now, much of these approaches are also rooted in the Baha'i faith, a faith that the co-founders of Soul Pancake share. However, the founders and the company at large have been really explicit about creating a distinction between the Baha'i faith and the Soul Pancake initiative or platform. So do you feel comfortable elaborating on what this distinction means to you and why you think it's important? Absolutely. Uh, So I think that ultimately, yes, the co-founders of Soul Pancake are all 
uh, members of the Baha'i faith. And so we come to this platform with this foundation, um, this foundational knowledge that we all share, that we are all one, that, you know, all of the tenets of the Baha'i faith are absolutely informing what, how we show up to our work every day. But we were very clear from the outset that we didn't want to make Soul Pancake a Baha'i site because our agenda is not really to teach the uh, to, to spread the teachings of Baha'u'llah. That is not really the agenda of Soul Pancake. I would say the agenda of Soul Pancake is, is based on one of the principal teachings of the Baha'i faith, which is the independent investigation of truth for oneself. And so from the outset, we wanted to be a platform and a space where the questions were celebrated, where we were not professing to have the answers for all that you know, ails humanity, but rather saying, like, let's dig into the questions we all have and the challenges we all face and the messiness of it all. And in that spirit of understanding, maybe we will realize like how interconnected we are and how there is a space to be hopeful, even when things seem to be falling apart. Uh, so I think that's the distinction for me is that Yes, our content, our, the way we lead our company, the integrity by which we run a business, all of that, of course, has to be inspired by our beliefs in the Baha'i faith. But this is not a site that has any agenda to convert anyone, to, uh, to teach anyone explicitly about what the faith is, to try to, um, you know, basically break down the teachings of the Baha'i faith. Like that is not, that was never our agenda with the site. So kind of moving on, I'd like to reflect now on the current social and political climate that exists around us, um, which is incredibly polarized, with so much anger, negativity, and anxiety-inducing material being pushed in our faces and shared on the internet. It feels like Soul Pancake has become this little safe haven, happy place for meaningful and uplifting content. Um, this reminds me actually of a quote by Abdu'l-Bahá, the son of Baha'u'lláh, who said that joy gives us wings, that in times of joy, our strength is more vital, our intellect keener, and our understanding less clouded. We seem better able to cope with the world and to find a sphere of usefulness. So as the head of creative at Soul Pancake, how have your audiences responded to your positive content? And can you share any examples of when your content has had a social impact beyond the web, say on a specific community or a grassroots initiative? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, to your earlier point, I think uh, joy is absolutely a part of our sort of essential Soul Pancake recipe, if you will. Uh, and it's something we're really unabashed about and unapologetic about. I think that right now there is a sentiment in the world that if you're joyful, you're naive or you're willfully uh, ignorant about the state of affairs. And I would counter that and say that holding a position of joy is actually, it, it asks a lot of you. It asks for you to be hopeful and optimistic in the face of things looking like they're the worst mm -hmm. ever, you're, you're countering that. And there's a line, um, one of our creators, uh, Brad Montague, who is an incredible filmmaker and, and created the brand Kid President that is just uh, like emulates joy. He always talks about being a joyful rebel because he sees it as being counter to where most of us are, which is sitting kind of in a place of apathy 
or uh, sitting in a place of just feeling anger. He's like, why cannot, why can't we be joyful rebels? Like going against the tide and, and pointing out the good and showcasing the hope and mm. um, the beauty that is there in humanity. And I love this phrase of being a joyful rebel um, because it's not a passive action. It's actually saying like, I see it all and I'm still willing to show up in a way that is joyful and brings joy to others. So. Yes, so joy is definitely a part of our secret sauce. And uh, I think in terms of our, you know, how our audiences have felt around that, um, I think that our audience has grown because it is so receptive to the way that we uh, infuse joy into our storytelling. So it's not done in a super hokey mm. kind of like, you know, I think we've always been really careful not to be super precious even with the fact that we are trying to present content that's feel good. I think there's a way of doing feel good that's very cheesy and on the nose and kind of almost feels patronizing. And then Soul Pancake's version of it, which has always tried to be really honest and authentic. Um, you know, in the early days, Oprah herself gave us this high compliment calling Soul Pancake little pieces of light. And I think that that's what people are drawn to because right now their news feeds are so populated with the worst of humanity. It's like a showcasing, a curation of how depraved, how awful we can be to each other, how much grief, how much violence, how much hurt can we inflict on each other. And that train wreck of, a, of media cycles is just what we're constantly absorbing. So when you see something that actually shows a human being doing something incredible was actually, which actually might just be something very ordinary, like being generous or showing gratitude or helping their fellow mm -hmm. man. You know, people are thirsty for that kind of messaging. It reminds them that, that we are good and that there is hope and that people intrinsically have purpose and they are designed to be of service. And I think those little reminders as a viewer you are reminded that you have this potentiality within you and there is a whole world of people who are um, working from that sort of elevated place, their highest frequency or whatever. And that's really, that's exciting and that is magnetic. Um, I love to, it's hard to move from that to to now talking about you, Galrys. <laughs> um, but I'd love to talk more specifically about your role as head of creative at Soul Pancake. I read that you sort of married into the company when you got together with Soul Pancake co-founder Devin Gundry. Now you have three beautiful children. Um, what did your creative and career journey look like leading up to your joining the Soul Pancake family? And what sorts of experiences were you able to bring into the company? Um, and then lastly, how has your role or, you know, part in Soul Pancake evolved since then? In terms of my journey leading up to Soul Pancake, I wish it was some beautiful linear, like I did X, Y, Z and then landed in my dream job. But unfortunately, it is like a ping pong ball that's just like flicking all around the room. I, I have a history you know, I had my master's in publishing and editing because I thought I was going to be a children's storybook writer. And then I realized that editors are often sitting alone in a room by themselves. And uh, that didn't sound like fun for me anymore, as much as I love books. Um, I want to be around people and I want to be creating in a team. Uh, so I had this master's degree. I ended up uh, working in marketing and I was working for the Tennessee Performing Arts Center with the touring Broadway shows, which was also, you know, I have a huge love for theater and again, um, 
I think, you know, it was like a fun way to flex my creative muscles. And it was while I was at that job that I met Devin. Um, I met his parents first, actually, in Nashville, Tennessee. And then I met Devin, and he was working on this project called Soul Pancake with this actor called Ray Wilson. And I was had moved here from Australia. I didn't really know Rain Wilson. The, the, the term Soul Pancake sounded very strange to me. And so here was this guy that I was kind of you know, interested in getting to know better. And he had this weird side project he was doing that did not <laughs> sound like it had a 401k or a benefit. <laughs> but the more I got involved, the more I fell in love with it. So because I, I was simultaneously falling in love with Devin and falling in love with Soul Pancake. So when I say I married into it, I guess that's kind of what I mean is that by by chance, somehow I ended up in this place where Nashville, where I never had sights on being. And found out more about what this company was. And then it was such a cool collusion of all the things I loved to do. I feel like since I was a child, I've been a storyteller. I love um, all nature of the arts. Like there's not one format that's my like go-to, but I've always loved photography. I love film. I love anything I can make with my hands. Um, and I love people and I'm curious about people's journeys. So this soul painting job being at the beginning, I was one of the co-creators, what co-creator of content, I think was my official title, even though we were like doer of all things really. Um, but it would marry together all these things that I'd loved from my past, like, you know, getting to work with artists and getting to work with filmmakers and getting to write and getting to read and just be in a space where every day I got to kind of dabble. And some days I was at thrift stores, like hunting for props. And then other days I was working on a collage and next day I'm working with a graphic designer. So how cool to have a job where I didn't have to just pick one lane uh, and got to kind of play in this playground that was um, all the things I love to do. And how, how would you say your position has evolved since since you were wearing all of these hats, it seems like you're still wearing a lot of different hats, but... I'm still wearing a lot of different hats, but I'm also... You have benefits. <laughs> I have benefits, so that's a change. No, so our company is so lucky we've grown um, a lot. And so in the early days when it was really just me and Shabnam and Devin doing everything, we had to be all things. We had to be behind the camera, in front of the camera, writing. You know, Shabnam was like, we always joke that she was lawyers are us because I am really bad at contracts. So I don't do that part of it. And she would handle the business side. Uh, so we had to deal with things. But as we've grown and now, of course, been acquired by participant media that has even, you know, um, a larger framework, uh, I get to delegate a lot more. And there's all sorts of other creatives and talent that is now within our company that can take on different aspects of the workload. So as head of creative, I now oversee everything that we create uh, and oversee the teams that are bringing those pieces to life. I don't get to be as hands-on as I was in the early days where I was literally like running around in front of the camera mm. or, you know, putting together a motion set. Um, I'm, I'm much more sort of working from a top level, um, consulting on all of our projects, working with the showrunners, the filmmakers, the producers. So it's, it's at a, it's a, a different sort of, here, I guess, of, of getting to touch the content itself. But I still feel like everything we make has to come by my desk at one yeah. point, And I get to weigh in on that. And even in post, I'm actively like giving notes on all of our content and trying to always make it as good as it can be. I mean, it also sounds like you had so much trust in like, 
the the vision um, and belief in in the mission of Soul Pancake to make all these I want to I don't want to say sacrifices but these choices in your life at that time. Yeah, you know, not to say you know we went up against a ton of inertia and a lot of naysaying. I remember sitting in so many boardrooms pitching out Soul Pancake ideas or shows or series ideas and getting rejected. People laughing at us or telling us like to our faces that our content was too earnest. It was too feel good. No one wanted to talk about these big topics. No one would create a show around death. You know, My Last Days is now on its fifth season at the CW. And I just think it's such a testament to this show um, that, you know, there was this idea that this was important and we felt this responsibility to create a show around this subject matter. But in the beginning, no one else shared our vision for that, our belief that it was something that other people would be interested in watching. So we went up against a lot of naysaying. But we all held on to this sense that if we wanted it and would and needed this content, that there were others out there that would want and need it also. And I think we proved that to be true. Right. And I interpret your courage and risk taking also as uh, your faith in in like trusting the creator, trusting God and allowing for those confirmations to manifest themselves as, as you progressed, which kind of brings me to my next question. Uh, the crux of these Cloud9 podcasts is to interview artists and creatives about how their faith in Baha'u'llah shows up either directly or indirectly in their creative practice, final works, and careers as artists. What we also love to learn about is how their art is actually serving humanity. We know through the writings of Baha'u'llah that artistic knowledge should be acquired because it can profit the peoples of the earth. And to me, this is exemplified through your work in bringing joy and inspiration to people's lives through your content. But in your own experience as the head of creative at Soul Pancake, how has your approach to the role embodied certain themes or aspects of your faith? Great question. I feel incredibly grateful that I was able to find Soul Pancake or create Soul Pancake, create it so that as my day-to-day work, uh, it does feel like it goes hand in hand with service for me. I don't feel like I have this day job and then I can serve on my off hours or in the weekends because Soul Pancake was born out of wanting to be of service. Interestingly, I think a lot of companies are born out of wanting to be of service and they end up being nonprofits and that's fine and great and we need those too. But for whatever reason, we had this instinct from the beginning that Soul Pancake was not going to be a nonprofit, a nonprofit that we could actually create revenue uh, somehow, we didn't know how, but that it could be a full revenue company. And so we built this platform that was able to scale and grow and produce and create while still keeping that spirit of service intact. Even though there have been, there were so many challenges, so many obstacles, like all the trials of, you know, and especially in the early days when we had very little resources and a lot was weighing on our shoulders. I think because we had this shared sense between all of the co-founders that what we were doing was bigger than us, that it was bigger than just even a, a capitalistic enterprise, but that it was with the spirit of service. It enabled us to kind of keep our eyes on that prize and really weather all the storms as well. Uh, I think of so many of the projects that we took on that, you know, we knew we would never find a buyer for or a brand to sponsor, but we just believed 
was important because of because we knew it was storytelling that the world needed and no one else was was telling and i just i feel like a lot of our decision making processes the way we built a company the way we hired retained our team all of it it was it came down to us finding other people who also wanted to be of service when i think of like one of our very best uh, brands which is kid president brad the the creator of that show i spoke about a bit earlier he wanted to create something of service to this day he still wants to create content that is of service and i think our best content like if you want to ask me what's the secret to going viral create something that is of service to people and if that of service doesn't have to be some like big lofty thing it doesn't have to be like it you know shows them the secret of life sometimes of service can be something so small like one of our pieces that went viral all we did was explore the science of gratitude and we had people come into our studio and we asked them to write letters to someone that they loved and tell them all the things that they were grateful for so everyone dutifully sits and writes these letters and then we surprise them and say here's a phone you're going to call that person now and read out your letter and everyone's like shocked and awkward and like i can't call her it's like three in the morning in the uk but we we bully that we joyfully bully them into call, making these calls they make these calls and it's a very moving part of the segment where you watch them just expressing bad gratitude for another human being. Now this is a very ordinary thing. Expressing gratitude is not something so big and invented. It's like saying thank you's been around since the beginning of time, but we really wanted to showcase what happens when you express gratitude. And we've done this in so many pieces. And at the end of this video, we had so many comments with people saying, "Thank you so much for this. It was such a good reminder to call my third grade science teacher or my mom or my grandmother or the lady next door that always remembered my birthday." And so that piece of content to me feels like it is of service. It reminds us that we matter to each other and that the people that matter to you, you should speak up and tell them and remind them and and let them know how you feel about them. So that's a little tiny droplet of service, but that piece went in, you know, it was like it went viral within moments of going live. And again, I don't think it was extraordinary storytelling. I don't think we hit on some like unique perspective that no one had ever touched before. I just think that uh, we sometimes need reminders about how to be our most human selves and that's what our content does best. Beautiful. Thank you. And in your day-to-day like um you mentioned in a previous conversation how you try to represent diverse perspectives by having everyone at Soul Pancake be a part of the the creative process or the conversation. And you'd also talked about like consultation, how it brings about a spark of truth. And are there any, could you elaborate on on these kind of day-to-day mm. aspects of the faith that you also um, apply to your, to your yeah, work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's many aspects, everything from, uh, you know, we have a rule at our company of no backbiting because we really do believe that gossip is toxic and demoralizing. And our team, we're very open with our team about that, that when you're having issues, you go and see that person face to face or, you know, have a conversation with your manager, but there's none of this sort of poisonous backbiting, that there's no room for that in our uh, company, in our, you know, and how we want to grow and move forward. I think consultation, again, the clash of differing opinions um, and there being a spark of truth in the midst of all of that is really such a great description of how it always was with me and Devin and Rain and Shabnam, like we all actually have very different people with very different perspectives and experiences and backgrounds. And so when we come together and we're passionate, there was often a lot of clashing. Mm -hmm. And I think we were all 
down to have those hard conversations because we knew that in the spirit, you know, if we were really consulting, that we could be apart, you know, put our egos apart from our perspectives and allow what was the best to kind of come to fruition. So I think as well with diversity, um, diversity of thought and experiences, you know, we do welcome everyone on our team to come to a creative brainstorm. And uh, I, I think it's some of our best ideas have come because someone who, you know, might not be on the creative team, but has, you know, an experience with X or has a parent who is dealing with this illness or has, um, you know, some other passion point will bring something to a project that we may not have considered as the creative team. So I feel like I do believe every single human is creative. And that is how we've kind of treated all of the members of our team, which is that their voices matter, their perspectives matter. You know, if my office manager tells me she has a problem with something we've made, like I am going to absolutely you know, value that input because they might have been something that I didn't think about as I was formulating the creative that we need to be more conscious of next time. So I think we're constantly looking for feedback yeah. and that feedback to be as wide as possible. Excellent. Thank you. So today, Soul Pancake has had over 700 million views. We've mentioned this earlier across its digital platform. As head of creative, what do you believe makes the content you create and the way that you operate as a team different or stand out from the rest of content creators in the industry? I think that what gives us a point of differentiation is that we are a double bottom line company. We have this mission. So while we are also, you know, generating revenue and having, you know, goals to hit um, business-wise, we have this mission that we are not going to walk away from. Uh, earlier in this year, I was tasked with writing a company manifesto, and it was a really interesting exercise because there were so many things I wrote and rewrote and reworded, and where we landed, um, I'll, I'll read it to you now, I think also really showcases where we're so different from all of our peers in the industry. Um, our manifesto for Soul Pancake is, when you feel alone, we help you feel connected. When you feel cynical, we help you feel hopeful. And when you feel nothing, we help you feel. And I really think at the end of the day, that Soul Pancake content, giving people a sense of belonging and a sense that they matter is actually huge. And unfortunately, I've been reading a lot recently about the statistics of suicide and depression and anxiety, especially amongst teen populations here in the United States. And it's just atrocious and really um, horrifying to understand how lonely these teens are feeling, how much they feel like their lives, their their purpose, like that there is nothing to it all, that then that the world would be better without them here. And so now sort of everything that we create, I'm always thinking about how can we ensure that if one of those teenagers who's feeling so hopeless is watching this content, they can walk away feeling like their voice matters and they matter. That's, mm. that's so crucial now. And I, I think that's something that our peers in the industry don't necessarily have their sights yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. So over the years, Soul Pancake has been responsible for producing really moving, insightful, uplifting content. You've already kind of shared a few examples. Um, Kid President has accumulated over 44 million views alone. Another show, Kitten Therapy, which I think you're responsible for, is shy of uh, 10 million views. Other popular Soul Pancake productions include My Last Days, Tell My Story, and The Science of Happiness, just to name a few. As head of creative, what do you believe is the secret sauce to making a viral video? Well, <laughs> I wish I had just the, you know, an answer to this because then I would be making them every <laughs> single day. And as you mentioned, you know, there are these few that 
hit. And then there's many that we make that don't get those kinds of views. But one thing that our uh, co-founder Shad always says is strive to be a virus, not just viral. Because when you look at kind of what goes viral, it's like there's a flash in the pan and for a day, everyone's talking about it and sharing it and you see it on your Facebook feed or Instagram and everyone's talking and then it's gone. But when you strive to be a virus, you're hanging on, there's this long tail, you're the steady drumbeat. And I think that's something that Soul Pancake is realizing is that so many people just wanna create a viral video, but that viral video in terms of actually creating a movement or sparking a new wave of thinking or really getting people to dig in, it doesn't really have that much effect. It's kind of like one hit wonder and it's like cool for a moment and everyone's excited, but then they forget about it two weeks later. Whereas now the content that we're striving to create is content that you're eager to come back to again and again and, and think about and share and rewatch with a different perspective. Uh, so I think, you know, I don't have necessarily like a one answer to how to create viral content. I will say that there's stuff that when we've created it in the edit bay, I've gotten chills because I feel like something special, something magical is created. And in every one of those cases, there has been so much love, really. Like it sounds cheesy, but that has been the ingredient. And when if there's no love when there's just strategy or data or metrics or really smart people, but no love, I've not seen anything outperform. But when there is love, which shows up in like, oh, the DP, you know, stayed up all night because he was trying to get the look just perfect. Or, uh, you know, this person showed up, you know, as part of the cast, even though that day something terrible had happened, but she knew she had to show up that day. Like when those instruments of love come into play, I think that there's something in that that generates a force that helps these pieces go beyond what everyone expects. Have you ever, I'm trying to think of love, but also like you get so invested sometimes in an idea or a project and sometimes it just doesn't go yeah. your way. Can, can you pair love with detachment or like another attribute that helps you also be open I mean, to sure. the possibility of change? Yeah, I think this, that's so interesting because there's so much content we've also created that where love was absolutely there and then the content didn't and I'm putting out like air quotes perform but then I also wonder like what we've decided is success right. metrics in media you're like okay views and that's what counts but say my kid in therapy one that got nearly 10 million views didn't actually change anyone's hearts perspectives the way they treat each other the way they see the world then okay got 10 million views but is it as successful as something that maybe only got 7,000 views but out of those 7,000 like 1% of people, to, you know, 10% of people decided they were going to do something in their lives that day inspired by that video. So I think it's also thinking about like what success metrics are. Um, yeah, I don't begrudge any project that has a whole lot of love poured into it. I think sometimes we just have an expectation for how it should perform. And when it doesn't, we feel like it didn't, uh, it didn't reach its capacity. But I don't know that we always know what that yeah. is. I'm also, the question was also partially to kind of help listeners out there who are content creators or want to create something that will get a response. And so yeah. you gave some very wonderful practical examples of what should be driving the content. And hopefully that is something that people will, I mean, respond to. Sure. To those people, I would also say some other key ingredients are, especially for the type of content we're doing, which is mostly unscripted, is authenticity. So being as authentic as possible. So nothing manufactured, nothing cast, nothing 
scripted, really trying to get real people having a real experience. And this, and the other part is truly just excellence and mastery. Like none of our content was just thrown together. Um, we've always really strived for excellence from the beginning. I mean, almost to a place where like with our book, our book designers almost walked away <laughs> towards the end because we were so finicky about the margins, about the grid, about making sure everything lined up. I mean, we poured to this day, you know, Shabnam and I are still really pleased. No one's found a typo in our book, but that was not just by chance. That was because we like poured over every pixel that went into designing that book. And we've been like that about our best content too. I mean, the, the striving for excellence is a huge part of it. So it's not just love and some haphazard things that like brought it together. I would say for me, love shows up sometimes in that, in staying up till 3 a.m., making sure the margins mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. So we've, we've spoken about authentic voice. And as we've already discussed, Soul Pancake was acquired by Participant Media back in 2016. And since then, you've been mm-hmm. able to work with some really big accounts um, and cre- create positive content for companies such as Coca-Cola, Google, the UN, Visa, and, and the list goes on and on. So what types of stories and voices are your team at Soul Pancake most driven or motivated to stand behind? And what are the types of stories and voices that you try to avoid? So we uh, are trying very hard, especially in our brand entertainment division, to line up with brands who are not just giving lip service to a social cause, but who actually are walking the walk. Um, So right now, I think it's been very trendy to jump onto sort of social impact. And so you'll see a lot of brands, you know, change their logo green for Earth Day or rainbow colors for Pride or put out a line of merchandise because, you know, tying up, you know, tying to some other tentpole. But it's really more of a marketing initiative and not really where their principles are. So we are being very careful to only align and work with brand partners where they truly are trying to do good, where they truly are trying to be of service. Um, you know, participants' tagline is a good story well told can change the world. And so I think by being a part of their, um, by having them as kind of our larger parent company, we also now, it's legitimizing a lot of the work we're doing because participant is known for huge groundbreaking documentaries and feature films that have really started movements. And so... We do have to be careful because we have this reputation to uphold that we're not just partnering with brands or creating content that's just lip service to a cause, but that actually ladders into a campaign or a movement or a social initiative that is bigger than the content itself and has a long tail. We're not trying to just be trendy by jumping into environmentalism. Like if a brand is coming to us and wants to create something around, you know, female empowerment, then I want to know how many women are on their C-suite and what are they doing for female empowerment within their company? And how are they going to, you know, continue that programming beyond just the content we make for them? So it's really finding partners who's, who are mission aligned with ours. Um, there have been many times where partners have come to us and have, you know, with checks in hand and it's a big dollar amount and we've had to walk away because the mission alignment just wasn't there. Um, And often that is when they're trying to sell a product or a service and not really trying to create anything that is uh, pushing humanity towards good. And when that happens, we have to gracefully bow out. And sometimes that's uncomfortable because it's hard to say no to big dollars, but if we can't find a way of doing it with our integrity intact, then it's not worth it for us. Yeah, definitely. 
So I, we've spoken about your role as the head of creative. We've spoken about Soul Pancake. Um, but just to close, I just want to talk a little bit more about you, Golries. So on a personal level, I recognize how difficult it can be to constantly create and come up with new ideas. So what motivates your work as head of creative and how do you motivate your team? I think that I've always, um, I've always loved being around creative people who are not mired down by limiting beliefs. It's just like, they're my type of people. <laughs> and I think out of those types of people, like amazing projects and initiatives happen. So I'm constantly like, inspired by what I see in the world around me through so many mediums of art, whether that's even fashion or Broadway or film or poetry or music. Uh, I'm just, I constantly feel like I'm getting inspired. I'm never in a place where I'm like, nothing inspires me or I feel stuck. Like, in fact, I'm more intimidated by just like how much creative genius there is in the world <laughs> and just like feel like a little droplet that's like in a giant ocean of like creative, just marvel it's that part like getting inspiration for ideas has never been tough for me um in terms of kind of inspiring the team creatively i think because we all show up with this shared value this shared mission there is already a foundational element there where no one is doing this just for the paycheck and when you know that about your co-workers there is this extra element of everyone trying really hard and really showing up even on tough days or even when we're up against deadlines or even when a client's being really difficult we're still coming to the table knowing we're trying to do something for the greater good and that is in itself deeply inspiring uh i think that we try to be we try to be experimental. Lately, we've been looking a lot more at like data and analytics and also being more scientific in our approach to how we create, knowing that there's the data can tell you and inform you uh, as well as your own instincts. But at the end of the day, I'm always just like curious about what the people on my creative team especially want to create, what they're passionate about making, what they're watching in their downtime, like what are they drawn to, what are they wanting to see, and really um, drawing inspiration from those perspectives also. So as a creative person, do you get any time between your career, your busy family life to work on your own passion projects? And do you feel comfortable sharing what they may be? To be perfectly honest with you, the thing that I crave the most right now is time. I feel like I am a grand executor and wearer of all the hats. So I'm doing my work, I'm running my children around, I'm keeping my eight month old from putting her tongue in an electrical socket. Like I'm just right now at full capacity handling all responsibilities. And I would say the thing that I miss or want or crave the most is just time, time to decompress, time to reflect, time to remember what I'm excited about beyond just the things that are at grasp. I, uh, it's very easy when you create a startup and build it and grow it and create a family and build it and grow it. I think to lose yourself in all of that, because there is a lot of demands and especially as a mother and as a woman, I feel like I have said yes to everything. That's just by nature of who I am. Um, it's, you know, even in, when you learn improv, it's like, that's the first rule of improv is yes. And, and I, yes, ended my life to such a place where now I feel like I'm in perpetual motion and I don't get to have 
quiet reflections where I think about what are the other passion projects I have or other creative pursuits I have. I know they're there and I know they're going to kind of erupt out of my skin (laughs) because I feel them. Like it's like feeling like someone wants to have a conversation with you and you just keep being like, okay, yeah, in two weeks we'll talk. And that feeling internally is there for me where inside of me, there is this little voice. It's like, Hey, go, we have some other stuff we need to do or want to do, but I'm just like, let me just take care of what's on my plate for today. And we'll get there. And I keep waiting to get to that horizon line where I can like address it. And I haven't got there yet, but I have a plan and works to get there and we'll see if it happens. Um, but to be completely candid with you, I don't have that time right now to really do a lot of that introspection. I mean, just from what you shared, your passion project is your family and your career right now. So I think we shouldn't overlook all of the beautiful work that you're doing in both of those aspects and not dichotomize them either. Yeah, I love that thinking. I mean, your passion project should be, yeah, all of the things that we're doing, right? And um, and of course, like not every aspect of every job or every relationship is always fun times, but to be how awesome to be passionate about the choices you're making and where you're spending your time. And I have been very, very grateful in that regard. I think you also kind of touched on just this yes and approach. And and that has also led you to so many wonderful opportunities. So maybe just keep doing what you're doing. And yeah, we'll catch up in five, 10 years. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think yes and has ever sort of led me astray. And I think that's the beautiful thing of just having faith is that even if I'm kind of taking a windy path to get there, I have this faith that I'll get there. Mm-hmm. And your your mission is rooted in service to humanity. So I think you're ultimately protected with that too. I hope so. Yeah. I think so. So we've come to the end of our episode of Cloud9 Goalries. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me a part of it. And uh, I was so happy to have this conversation with you. I could talk about this stuff for hours with you, Shadi. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And it's also nice to interview someone whose accent is as uh, ambiguous and confusing. (laughs) So all the best to you, Gullaries. And we look forward to catching you in five to 10 years and seeing what you've been agreeing to and yes anding to. <laughs> I can't wait to see either. Thanks for having me, Shabby. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Cloud9. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to check out Bahaiteachings.org where you can find more Baha'i-inspired podcasts, videos, and articles.